rescued me. Oh, you rescued me. You were the God that saves. You called me from the grave. You rescued me. Cause I hear the song. I hear the song of victory. Sing over me. Oh, I hear the song. Hear the soul of victory ring over me. I hear the soul. I hear the soul of victory ring over me. And I hear the soul. I hear the soul of victory ring over me. Yeah. You're the God that saves. You're the one that rescued me. You Hear the song of victory ring over me. And I hear the song, I hear the song of victory ring over me. And I hear the song, I hear the song of victory ring over me. And I hear the song, I hear the song of victory ring over me. the God that saves you're the one that rescued me you rescue me you are the God that saves you're the call me from the grave and you rescue me Praise 
proclaim how great you are. There is none like you, none like you. You're the faithful one, Jesus. You, there's none like you, oh, none like you. You're the faithful one No sacrifice Now he paid The dead I owe Or this gift Of righteousness Was your own Still I will give myself away to make you know all the name above all other names is yours alone. Oh, there is none like you. Like you, the faithful one, Jesus. Oh, there is none like you, oh, none like you. You're the faithful one, Jesus. Oh, there is none like you, oh, none like you. You're the faithful one. You're the everlasting, oh, the everlasting name above all. Jesus, you are the everlasting, oh, the everlasting name above all. Jesus, you are the everlasting. Oh, the everlasting name above all. Cause there is none like you, none like you. You're the faithful one. There is none like you, none like the faithful one my Jesus oh there is none like you no one like you you're the faithful one Father there's none like you none on the earth below the earth above the earth there's no one We get lost in all of our problems and all of our crazy situations. Sometimes we forget how big our God is and we forget how great He is and mighty He is. Oh, but there's nothing bigger than you, nothing greater than you, nothing you can't handle, nothing that you don't already know the answer to. Oh, even the winds and the waves, 
obey your command, Father. The sun doesn't come up unless you tell it to. It doesn't go down until you allow it. Because there is none like you. None like you. The faithful one, Jesus. There is none like you. None like you, the faithful one. Cause you're the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, you're here with me. Wonderful Counselor, Government is resting on your shoulders. You're the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. You're Emmanuel, God with us, here with me. A wonderful Counselor. Government is resting on your shoulders. You are the medicine, the only cure for everything I feel within. Redeeming what was lost and all that could have been. Oh, this is a healing kind of love. You are the true whispering, staying through the night when I was at my end, comforting my heart till it was light again. Oh, this is a faithful kind of love. You're the everlasting Father for the Prince of Peace. Emmanuel, God with us, with me. A wonderful counselor, the government is resting on your shoulders You're the everlasting Father for the Prince of Peace Emmanuel God with us You're here with me Wonderful Counselor The government is resting on your shoulders You are the final word You alone decide When every page will turn So I will trust your timing I will rescue you Oh, this is a steady kind of love You're the everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, 
God with us, here with me. Wonderful counselor, the government is resting on your shoulders. Your name's saying, oh, they say it all I said. Father, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, here with me, wonderful counselor, I am resting on your shoulders, the everlasting Father. Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, God with us, here with me. Wonderful counsel, government is resting on his shoulders. Such an awesome God, so mighty. So holy, so wonderful, such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. You call the sun to rise. You lay it down to rest You hold this heart of mine You hold my every breath Such an awesome God So mighty So holy So such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. Seated in majesty, reigning in holiness. The table is set for me For you are the living bread Such an awesome God So mighty So holy So wonderful 
wonderful Such an awesome God So selfless So generous So faithful You are You're an awesome God So mighty So holy So wonderful Such an awesome God Yes, you are Oh, nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty, nothing is as sweet as His love And mercy, nothing comes close to the Lord is love and mercy nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty nothing is as sweet as His love and mercy nothing is as sweet as your mercy Lord your mercies are new every morning Cause you're an awesome God You're an awesome God Oh Jesus, the Son of God Hung on a cross to die Not even death could hold you down For you rose to life Such awesome God So mighty So holy So wonderful Such an awesome God So selfless So So holy, so wonderful, such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are, cause nothing comes close to the Lord. Is as sweet as His love and mercy Nothing comes close to the Lord Almighty Nothing is as sweet as His love Cause you're an awesome God You're so mighty 
You're so holy You're so wonderful Such an awesome God So selfless You're so generous So faithful You are Oh So awesome God So mighty so holy, oh, you're so wonderful. You're so selfless. And you're so generous, so faithful. You are, Father. You're awesome. You're holy. You're wonderful generous you're selfless you're faithful you're so faithful even when we're not faithful you're faithful even when we forget the promises we made to you you don't forget answered so many prayers, so many blessings and sometimes we just forget God forgive us forgive us for all the times that we forgot about all the great things that you've done for us that we forgot about our memory is so sharp but thank you Lord that yours isn't Such an awesome God, so mighty, so holy, so wonderful. Such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful.
Heavenly Father, we just, just praise you tonight. We just thank you. Because God, every word that we could even utter cannot even begin to describe the beauty and the, the power and the majesty that belongs to you, Lord God. And we just come tonight and we worship you and we praise you because you're worthy of glory, worthy of worship, worthy of praise, just for who you are. Not for what you've done or what you can do. That's beside the point. But who you are, Lord, you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of all the glory and honor that we can give to you, Lord. And so, Father, we just lift up your name tonight and your son. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak through your church body, Lord God. The members of your church body. That, Father, that that words would be spoken, acts would be shown, Lord God, of love and compassion for one another and for you, Lord. We pray for the, the youth and the te tweens and the children right now, Lord God, that are being ministered to, God. We just pray that, Father, that you would have your way in their lives and minister to them as only you can do, Lord. And we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just take a moment and cross the aisle and say hello to someone or, or introduce yourself or whatever. Uh, many may have come in after you did or whatever. Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, Kurt. Good to see you, brother. <laughs> Amen. Anybody have a testimony or a praise report or something you'd just like to share that God has done for you, shown you it, out of his word, um, spoke to you in some way that just ministered to you? used you in some way to touch somebody's life? Anyone? Wide open. Hang on. Someone can't hear you. I mean, it's just... I got a company man I work with. He's like the head guy on the rig, and he's hard heart, and I've been chipping away at him, but he's being more and more open and receptive to the Lord, so it's... It's not there yet, but he knows he got to make that choice. But he said to himself, I got a lot of pride. I said, God, humble, God, humble yourself and you'll get there. And uh, so it's just a little bit. Just keep working at it. Keep working at it. I believe one day it's going to, I'll better have that report that he gave his life. It's going to happen. Amen. Praise God. If the hammer keeps hitting that rock, <laughs> eventually it's going to break. That, not the hammer, the rock. Amen. <laughs> Anybody else? No one? Okay, there we go. Well, I just want to do a little teaching tonight. And I've simply titled it, Echoes of God's Voice. 
I know that sounds like a strange thing, but you, hopefully I can make that clear in just a few minutes. I thought near the first of the year this would be a, a topic that would speak to most of us. Um, whether you and I are ministering to uh, someone who's in need, uh, people who may be confused about issues or whatever, or you may even be at a crossroads in your own life, uh, most of us have been to the place where we need to hear a word from the Lord. Um, I've mentioned this before, but for many, many years, according to the Christian Book Distribute, uh, Sellers Association, the number one topic of books year after year after year was how to know the will of God. So it was like people trying to know and understand. They're, they're wanting to know what God's will is, what his directive is for their life. And to, for us, there, when you're at a crossroads or you're at that place and, or someone's come to you and they're looking to you to help them, um, we, we definitely near, need to hear the voice of the Lord in our lives. To, and, and we need a fresh word. You can't live on a word from a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. No matter how true it may be, nobody likes eating stale bread. Come on now. And uh, so uh, far too often, uh, people in the church settle for a lot less. And, and I just put this kind of note, I'll kind of intersperse this right here, that um, God's not going to give you a new word if you haven't obeyed the old word that he already gave you. So, um, but I, I want to read this quote to you, and I'm going to put it up on the screen. Uh, the author's unknown. I've actually searched all over the Internet and, and for years and, and haven't been able to find it, but I had it filed in my, uh, my I have a, a folder on my uh, computer of future topics, messages, ideas, whatever. And every time I read something, whatever, and I think, oh, that's good, you know, whatever. I, it may be just be a quote or whatever. I'll throw it in there. And I remember this, and so I went back and looked, and it says, have we become content to hear the echoes of God's voice rather than hear his voice. It says, most only hear men talk about God and what he's saying, but aren't actually in intimate touch with God himself. And what the shadow is to the eye, the echo is to the ear. And who wants to see the shadow when you can see the real thing? Isn't that powerful? I mean, it really is. And um, uh, I just happened to listen a, a few days ago to a partial message by a, a well-renowned minister and um, who tends to move in, in prophetic gifts, and I'm not de denouncing that or anything like that. But he made this statement that he had spent two or three days in prayer and just kind of went before the Lord, and he came out and felt like he had a word from the Lord. And the whole crowd, I mean, I'm talking about big crowd, they all started going crazy. I mean, wow, because he had a word from God. And I thought, you know, it, that's exciting in a way, but at the same time, that's troubling. Because it says to me there was 2,000 people in that place who were hooping and hollering because a man had taken two or three days to go before the Lord to get a fresh word and bring it before them. 
And there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it was almost like because we haven't gotten the word ourselves. We haven't gotten one for ourselves. And we, you know, so they, they were all excited that this individual had done that. Um, I'm not being critical. I'm really not because, um, you know, but I just know how people tend to be. Even in the Old Testament, remember when God told Moses, he said, tell the people to sanctify themselves for three days. For in three days, I'm going to call you to come to the mount and meet with me. And the people met, uh, sanctified themselves for three days. And on the third day, they woke up and they hear um, thunderings and there's smoke and there's fire on the top of the mountain. And Moses brings the people of Israel to the foot of the mountain and they all stop and the leaders say, you go up and find out what God wants to say and we'll stay here and whatever you come down and tell us, we'll be content and we'll say, yes, Lord, we'll do that. So here, I mean, really, can you picture this now? Now, of course, we're looking back at this from our vantage point, but who wouldn't, if God personally invites you to come up and meet with him, who would be content to sit back and let somebody else go meet with God and then come back and tell you what he said? You know, I know, I know when I was a kid, uh, I was raised, in, I'm the oldest of seven uh, kids and and um, and there was a few years in our in my life as my childhood where we lived near grandparents and uh, cousins and uncles and aunts and everything and when when we'd all get together you, you know we kids would play together but I always wanted to be in and hear what the adults were talking about anybody else like that because you're afraid you're going to miss out on something, right? You want to go, and, and, and if you heard something really good, then you'd go out and go, I know something you don't know, you know, you know, you know and they go, what? Oh, I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you, you know. You were kind of boasting about it. Well, that's just kind of the same thing. Here, here was the opportunity for Israel to go up and meet with God, but instead they were content for a man to go up and do that. And I just don't think that that nature has changed a lot for a lot of people because they would rather say, you go find out what God has to say, you come down here and tell us, and we'll be content with that. And, uh, but God wants more than that. He wants us more than just to hear an echo of somebody saying, the Lord says this. How much is it better that you know that the Holy Spirit in some way, form, or fashion has spoken to you? And so uh, in 1 Samuel chapter uh, 3, uh, we're going to read um, 10 verses here, and it deals with the boy Samuel. And it says, the boy, uh, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, who was the priest. Um, and you, you remember the story of Samuel. Hannah begged for a child. God gives her a child. She says, if you'll give me a child, I will dedicate him to you. So she takes Samuel and brings him to Eli. And says, and in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. But that could be said today. And then it goes on. It says in verse 2, it says, and one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming weak, that he could barely see was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of the Lord was. The ark of the Lord meaning the presence, uh, the, very, the place where the presence of God was. 
And it says, and then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. And now Samuel did not yet know the did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. And Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Thank goodness that you know that. The third time's a charm. I guess maybe that's where they get that. I don't know. But, uh, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is is listening. I just think that's an incredible story. I mean, it really is. There's so much packed in there, but I want to just pull a few things out of that. And and that is that to hear the voice of the Lord, if I can put it that way, there's some certain things that you you have to do. And, And the first one is that you have to have proper practice at it, okay? In other words, it's the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. Um, he, he, it says the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to, to Samuel. In other words, he hadn't been trained. He, hadn't been, he did not know the first, time, the first two times he heard that voice that it was the Lord. He had to be trained in that. And, and so uh, it says he ministered before the Lord under Eli. And so there has to be training, there has to be teaching, there has to be instruction. And um, that's something that this year that I have made it a goal that I really want to see here at Life Church. Real down to earth, basic instruction in the things of God, the things of the Spirit, how they operate, how to know them, how to put, put them into practice. Rather than just hearing about them or letting someone else do the hearing and tell us about it, but then we walk away and go, I don't understand. We need to have an understanding of that. So there needs to be proper practice. And, and the thing about this is, I made a note to myself in this, that God can't steer a parked car. I remember years ago hearing Kenneth Hagin Sr. saying, saying that we're like a sailboat uh, that and the wind of the spirit comes along and we may put up the, the put up the sail but if you're still tied at the dock you're not going anywhere and god can't direct you and he can't he can't guide you if you're not freely uh, untied and untethered and being able to move and so uh the bible says that the steps of a righteous person are ordered by god notice it said steps it doesn't say the seating 
It doesn't say the seat of a righteous person is ordered by God. In other words, you have to be out and you have to be walking. Obedience from the heart, not legislation from an outside source, okay? As God speaks to your heart. Then, so there's proper practice. Then there's this thing about the proper position, okay? And, and, and notice what the scripture says. For the lamp of God, it says, um, had not gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord. In other words, he had put himself in the place where he could hear from God. And he was in a proper position. He was lying down in the temple. In other words, he, he wasn't in a hurry. He wasn't looking at his watch like, well, I wish they'd hurry up so I can get out of here. That kind of thing. In other words, he had put, him, he had, he put himself in a place, put himself in a position to be able to begin to hear from God. And we need to be able to do the same thing. And then the third thing is the proper proximity. And, and it says, it says, the scripture says, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. I, I had a guy years and years ago, long, long time ago, and say, well, I've never seen miracles. And, and, and I said, well, they're real. And he said, but I've never seen them. I said, that doesn't make them not real. I said, have you ever seen a ball game, like a baseball game? He goes, well, No. And, and I said, um, he said, I, I, I forgot exactly what his thing was. He said, no, I don't watch baseball or anything. I said, but if you've never been to a game, you can't say they're not real just because you've never been there. Um, I used the same argument with another person one time. They said, I said something about, um, and they said, well, I, I just don't believe in, in God and miracles and things like that. And he said, because I've never seen it. And I said, well, is the Grand Canyon real? And he said, yeah. I said, have you seen it? He said, no. I said, then how do you know it's real? He said, well, I've seen it in a book. I said, anybody can put anything in a book. I said, but, had, you know, but his argument was that he, did, he couldn't believe in God or miracles because they weren't real. And I said, then you, here's the deal. You've got to put yourself in the place where God does those things. God, and if God, God is moving in a particular place or a particular way, you've got to be able to get there. So if we want to hear from the Lord, there's some, there's some preparation that we have to do. But then there's some, things, some requirements if we're going to hear. And the first one is that we must be faithful to God's word. And I, I put some scripture references up there. But we, in other words, you have to be obedient and got up to God's word of what you already know to be obedient to, okay? And, and what I mean by that is it says to him, the Bible says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. And um, uh, I, I remember as a young, young, a young teen, as a teenager who had just come to Christ and I had just moved cross country from California to Alabama, that in itself was a culture shock from California, West Coast to Deep South. And this was in the early 1970s. And um, so everything was a deep culture shock to me. But I remember that in our city there in Montgomery, Alabama, they, once a month they had what was called the Full Gospel Businessmen's Association. 
and it was started by a man named Demas Shakarian at that time. And the idea was that businessmen would get together in restaurants and convention places and stuff like that, and and a, and and they would bring a businessman in who would give a testimony of what God had done in his life. So it was like how to reach businessmen by businessmen getting up and sharing their story. And uh, that actually used to happen in the city that I had recently moved to. And um, so I made a connection. I went to a meeting, and it was all adults. And I'm, I'm, I just turned 16 years old. And so there I am in a strange place in a big convention, a big, big hotel uh, lobby in downtown Montgomery. About 900 people are there. And uh, I don't remember the man that was sharing his story. But anyway... Um, I met uh, an individual there who eventually became my mentor in the Lord. He became my pastor. He was the one who married my wife and I performed the ceremony and everything. But he was the president of that local chapter. And so we hit it off. And then he found out I played guitar. And so he'd say, he said, next month when we meet, I want you to play guitar and lead us in a few songs before the meeting. And I said, okay. And so, you know, I didn't, you know, back then I was like, whatever, you know, that's fine. And so, you know, you get up before a thousand people and you got a guitar and a microphone and you, and back then they didn't have all these songs that we have now. Believe me, they did not. And, and, and uh, the few, they either had the old hymns or they had, and most of the people there didn't know any of those. I didn't know any of them because we weren't brought up that way. And so, um, uh, but the few songs that we had came directly from Scripture. And that's when um, Scripture songs became really popular. And so I got up and I led a few songs, and, and people were worshiping the Lord and everything. It was awesome. And then the speaker got up, and, and the only thing that stands out in my mind is what happened at the end of that service. And um, th that there was a gentleman who was like, the second in charge of that chapter or whatever, but he was a well-known, very wealthy businessman in that city. And he comes up to me, and he's very tall. Uh, to me, he was very tall, um, probably 6'4", six, 6'5", six, you know, and, and uh, I'm just this little skinny high school kid, 16-year-old kid with a guitar strapped around his back. And uh, he stands up, and he stands up looking over me. He's in a, he's in a suit, tie, whole nine yards. And, and please don't take this wrong, but he's smoking a cigarette, and the ashes are about this long. And he's just got them, and he's talking, and the cigarette's bouncing, and I'm looking, thinking, all the ashes are about to fall in my face. And he comes up to me, he goes, you know, it's nice to see a nice cut, clean cut young man like you serving God. He said, all these weirdo hippies out here, they need to get saved like you and, and get cleaned up like you. And he's bad mouthing my generation where, where God was having a move of God, right, of the, at that time. And he's, he's telling me that, you know, they're all in sin. They all need to cut their hair. They need to get some shoes on. They need, he's going through his whole list of what they need to do. And the whole time, all I can see is that cigarette with the ashes about this long that are bouncing like this out of his mouth. You know, I'm thinking, if they fall, I said, I'm either going to jump out of the way or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow them right back in his face. That's what I was thinking. And, and you say, well, Pastor, why are you bringing that up? Because here he was criticizing 
what he didn't like. Instead of seeing God working. And I remember I stood and after he got done and I was respectful. And I looked at him and I said, well, sir. I said, uh, it would be nice to see. Uh, uh, I said, but God is moving among the young people in this city. And across this nation. And he said, well, they need to get the sin out of their lives. And they need to get cleaned up and cl- cut. And he started on this little you know, rant again, you know, and I was just thinking, and and I just looked at him, and I said, sir, I said, be careful you're not judging others by your standards, because the measure in which you judge, you also will be judged, and he stopped me, where'd you get that from? I said, it's in the Bible, and I turned around, and I walked away with my guitar, and, um, and, and my point is simply is that we have to be faithful to the word that we know is right. I can't judge you. You can't judge me. I can't judge others. No, if it's, if, if it's outright sin, yes, you can judge that. But the, the thing is, until God convicts you of something, it's not sin. It may be in the word, but until I know that it's wrong, It's not sin. To him that knows to do right or do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So once God shows me something that this is is a negative for my life or your life or whatever, now you know. Now it becomes, you become accountable to that. And so we have to be faithful to God's word. I'm not faithful in every single thing that's in this book because I still don't know all the depths and all the, the nuances and the, the character and everything of God. I don't get 50 years and I'm still learning, right? But, so I'm, but I'm responsible to walk in what I know. And that's, that's what God convicts me of, okay? And so maybe I went a little long on that, but I'm sorry. But it, <laughs> the second thing is we have to have a teachable spirit. If you're going to hear from God, you need to have a teachable spirit. Why? Because God may put his finger on something in your life, and if you're not teachable, you're going to sit there and argue about it. And, and you know, even God can't get through to you. So we have to have a teachable spirit, okay? The third thing is we must be pursuing greater love for God and others. In other words, you have to pursue this. You have to make it a goal. You have to make it a, a something that you're going after. I mean, not just for yourself, but for others. And, and um, then the, the fourth thing is that we must ha- be open to hear, to hear God's voice. If we close ourselves off or we go say, Lord, Lord I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. You know, that's like putting your hands over your ears and la, 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 la. You know, you can do that all you want, but God's still there. And um, <clears throat> so we have to be open to hear God's voice. And so when we talk about God's voice, there's seven ways that God speaks to us. I'm sorry, I thought all of them were up there. I'm going to put them all up there now. Uh, the first and main way is the written word, okay? Um, another one is circumstances. God can use circumstances in a way to speak to us. Um, he, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said when he comes, he, he will... He will speak to you and he will guide you and he will teach you in all truths concerning me. Okay? Um, 
uh, prophets or spiritual leaders, um, pastors, evangelists, apostles, those things, those gifts within the body of Christ. God can use them to speak into our lives. Um, dreams and visions, angels, uh, and, and direct revelation. I mean, I'm always a little nervous when somebody says, God gave me a new revelation. I heard a, a guy the other day, he's as false a prophet as, as can be, and he gets up and says that God gave him a direct revelation about a, a new thing, and, and he's lying through his teeth because the thing that he was saying that God showed him has been around for 50 or 60 years in, in, in generation and a half ago, people were, were, were teaching the, that false teaching. So I said, he just, he just heard somebody from 50, 60 years ago teaching that, and he said it was a direct revelation from God, but it wasn't a revelation from God, it was false teaching. And, um, but there, God speaks in different ways, and the word of God is the most important way. And so it's the one, and, and, and it's the fact that the enemy puts so much, tries to keep us out of that word because it's so important. The reason for that is because the word of God becomes the plumb line. And if you don't know what I'm talking about there, it, it, a plumb line is like a, a long string with a weight on the end, and it eventually it may swing back and forth, but it's going to eventually come to a, a certain place, and that is where it's going to it's where it's going to stay. The word of God is that plumb line, and so circumstances circumstances can mislead you. Does it line up with the word? Uh, the Holy what you think is a word from the Holy Spirit might just be a word out of your own spirit. So I've had so many people come up and say the Lord gave me a word for you, that, and the, that whatever they had was not a word for me. I know it wasn't. I mean, we have to be able to um, receive a word from God. So I just want to give you, this will be the last part here, I want to give you three um, keys or ways to receiving a word from the Lord, okay? And the first one is, and I'm going to say, I should have put up there, learning to become still. You know, you know don't, don't, don't you say that word. We don't, we don't say the P word around here. Pa patience. We don't say patience. Um, uh, learning to become still. Um, this verse of scripture came to me, became real in my life um, when I was in Bible college. And it's Isaiah 30 and 15. And it says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would have none of it. When I was, when I was young, uh, some of you might remember when you were young, some of you are young, uh, but... When we were young, you just felt like you, you, were, you had unlimited get up and go. And I didn't burn candles at both ends. I burned candles at both ends and in the middle. And people told me and warned me, and I, I shrugged them off. And when I finally hit the wall, I hit it hard. 
And this scripture came alive to me. It says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In other words, for saved can also be restored. It says, in quietness and confidence is your strength. But you would have none of it. Um, you know, when we talk about prayer, a lot of times we think praying is saying. But as you know, prayer is also listening. In fact, I wrote something down this afternoon. I put it in my little folder, and I said, I think I'm going to teach on that next week. And, but how, how many of you know hearing and listening is two different things? And God talked to his people about that all the time. He says, you, you hear, but your hearts are far away from me. You're not listening. And um, Bill Hybels, Pastor Bill Hybels years ago wrote in one of his books, he said this. He said, power comes out of stillness. Strength comes out of solitude. Decisions that change the entire course of your life come out of the holy of holies, your times of stillness before God. That's the truth. But see, we want it instant. We want it microwaved. We want it, you know, you know, I, I don't know about you, but since like after Christmas, every time I turn around, ads are popping up on my phone, every place else for meal services. You know, the, the food that comes already packed and you just, order what you want and all that. And I said, well, that sounds cool. And I look at them and most of them are 11 to 14 to $15 a meal, you know, and I'm going, oh, wait a minute, that's not for me. So we need two of those each day. And I'm going, I could go out and eat for almost that much, you know. And, uh, but I mean, it's, it's like, this is, and then they have the comparisons of all these companies who has the best this and best this. And, but the, the thing is, it's con the convenience of it. And I'm not against that. I really, I'm really not. I mean, I'm not against that. But the thing is, it's the idea that I want it yesterday and I wanted it, you know, I want it now, I want it yesterday, I want it quick, quick, quick. And, and we have to learn how to be still. Susanna Wesley, who was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who were founders of the Methodist Church, she understood this. Um, Susanna was the mother of 19 children, nine of which she lost. And in her ongoing commitment to her 10 remaining children, she knew that God was the source of the strength of her life. Her husband was away from home much of the time. And, and in those period homes in the 1800s, they were very small homes, many of them just two rooms. You know, that kind of thing. So imagine a two-room house with 10 children. They didn't have duct tape back then, you know. <laughs> you know I'm just telling you. I'm like, whoa. And, um, but she found time to spend with God. And if you read her story, it's really cool. She would pull her apron over her head and tell her kids that she was having a parent-teacher conference with God and not to be disturbed. And her children quickly learned, 
I imagine with a little bit of training that mom was on a conference call when the apron was over her head to be left alone. And, and uh, I, I just think about that and I think about how, how we have to have everything just perfect, you know. We have to have a special place and a special time, coffee or tea, a little music. We have to, you know, we have to have this atmosphere or we can't, we can't do it. Imagine 10 screaming kids in a little tiny house in the apron pulled over your head communing with God. And her influence upon uh, her two, two boys, her two boys, those two boys who became founders of the Wesleyan and Methodist Church and evangelists all over the world, came out of her times with God. Um, so I wish somebody had taught me this when I was younger. So I'm going to say it. Here's a couple tips. It's not exhaustive at all. To, to learning to becoming still. And the first thing is you have to remove outer distractions. I don't know if that means putting an apron over your head or going out in the back 40 somewhere or sitting in your car or, or wherever that place is, but you need to remove all outer distractions. And then somebody said, write down inner distractions. And I learned that, I did learn that one probably about 20 years ago. Because when I'd go to spend quiet time with the Lord, I would remember everything that I should have done yesterday or needed to do today. And I was, and anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and you're thinking, let me go do that real quick. And so I don't forget. And then I'll come right back. But how many of you know you never get back? And so probably about 20 years ago, I'm, yeah, about 20, a little over 20 years ago, um, I, I said, devil, I'm sick and tired of you distracting me. And so I would go, I'd come with my quiet time with two notebooks. One was nuggets that God would speak to me out of his word. The other one was all the things that I'd be reminded that I needed to do. And I learned, I had to learn, oh, I need to call so-and-so. Write it down. Put the pen down. Get back into the word. And... It wasn't long, I'm telling you, it wasn't long <clears throat> until most mornings or evenings that I was doing it, <clears throat> I was no longer reminded of all those things. <clears throat> In fact, the first couple times, it happened, first few days it happened, I said, devil, thank you for reminding me to do that. That's going to build the kingdom of God. But I, I began to just write things on the other side, on my other notebook. And you know what? I, my tendency is, a lot of times God would show me something, and man, I want to dive into it right there, and I want to start writing, you know, just, and that became a distraction. And so I would write down a thought or, and a verse or whatever, and I would flip the page 
and go to a whole blank page. And then I'd go back into the word. And, and then what would happen, I now have, and I still have to this day, 20 years later, about three stacks of paper this thick that I have yet to go back through. But when I was traveling on the road in ministry up for almost two years, most of my messages came out of those stacks of paper because the Lord would put something on my heart and I'm going, you show me, where, where? I said, oh, that's it. And I had a uh, red leather briefcase, a mahogany colored briefcase, and I'd unlock it and there were stacks of paper in there, neatly stacked and dated. And I'd be scrolling through and I'd find that one thing and that was what I was looking for. So to, learning to become still, remove the outer distractions, write down inner distractions, uh, third thing is, is uh, fill your mind with Christ. Um, uh, and that's the opposite of what Eastern meditation and mysticism is all about. They tell you to empty your mind. Uh, no, the Bible says fill your mind. Be transformed in your mind. Um, the, the, second, the second thing concerning uh, receiving a word from God is learning to see in the Spirit or you could put with the Spirit. Ephesians 1, 18 and the first part of 19. Here's what it says. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you and the riches of his glorious inheritance and the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. How do you do that? I don't know how you do it, but... Some of you, if you've been here on Sundays, you'll hear me say, I don't know if you read the Bible like I do. You know, I, I see things, and, and what I do is when I'm reading scriptures sometimes, I'll go back to it, and I will, if I can put it, I ask the Holy Spirit to make it alive to me, come alive to me. And a lot of times what, what I do is I, 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 I can... I can envision or see myself interacting with that scripture. How does that apply? What would that look like? And I could picture it in my mind. If I were to, to apply this scripture, what would that necessarily look like? And in other words, don't just let it be words, but envision it. See, see it happening in your life. And somebody might say, oh, that sounds like New Age stuff. No, it's not. It's Bible. It's the scripture of how does this apply? What does this mean? How can this change my life, okay? And then the, and the third thing is learning to tune into his voice. Um, uh, I found a quote from years ago that I've used before and how to know the voice of the Lord. I just want to put this up there for you to see. It says, the voice of God is spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication, and the Holy Spirit speaking directly to my spirit. It is sensed as spontaneous thought, idea, word, feeling, or vision. Thoughts from my mind, on the other hand, are analytical and cognitive. I reason them out. Thoughts from the heart are spontaneous, and it's an intuitive process. It is a process. And uh, we need to know that this is what God is saying. I, I don't. I, I saw it today, and I don't remember who it was. It's somebody that um, you know on Facebook, 
And they, they talked about, some of you, may, I can't remember who it was. Some of you are probably friends with the individual. But he mentioned that he was at a Starbucks. And um, I, I, don't, I don't remember the whole story, but it was, you know, the thought came or somebody behind him had said, I want to pay for the person that's coming up behind me. You know how some people do that, you know. No, well, I just saw this today. No, no. This, here's what he said. And they thought, what? and the thought came, well, I guess I should do that. But then he thought, why would I want to spend that kind of money for an expensive order of coffee for the car behind me or the people behind me? Where, where could that be better spent? And he felt impressed to go to his local school and for a kid that may be behind on their payment for school lunches. And he said, I don't know how to do that. But he, he just couldn't get away from that impression. So he, went, he drove to his local middle school, elementary school, I don't know which one it was offhand. And, of course, he got stopped right there at the entrance. They don't allow visitors on the campus or anything. And they said, what are you here for? And he told them. And he said, I just felt impressed with the Lord to come down here and pay for some kids who may be behind on their paying for their lunches and stuff. And the guard told him, stay here. And, and uh, they went and got like somebody else, like from the principal's office or whatever. And they said, what do you want? And he says, I know it sounds strange. He said, but I was at Starbucks and I felt impressed to come down. Is there, is there maybe a few children here or a child here that maybe is behind on paying their lunch money, you know, for meals. And um, they said, well, uh, well, we can't give out that kind of information. He says, but is there somebody? He says, they said, well, I'm sure there are. And he said, well, okay, then I'm going to trust you. And he gave them the money and said, now you go apply it to whatever kid or how many kids need that applied to. And he walked away. He says, I know it's strange. He said, I don't know who they did it to or if they even did it, but I was just being obedient. And I thought, that's cool. That's really cool. I mean, I just read that this afternoon, and, um, and I was thinking, see, that's, that's, that's here in the Holy Spirit. That's, that's a, that's a, that doesn't come natural. Listening doesn't come natural. Hearing does. Listening doesn't. <laughs> Hearing, we hear it, and then we reason it out of our minds. Listening, we feel that we need to process it and go through the process of it. And so, um, anyway, I, I just thought it was a great story and that it really kind of goes along with this learning to hear the voice of the Lord. Because we want to know, know the end of the story. So that we could go, and it was so cool, this kid came out crying, thank you so much. You know, I mean, I could write the end of that, to that story, right? Like that we, we would all cry and clap and cheer. But he had, he had to walk away not knowing the end. But he, 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 that's harder, isn't it? It's like, you know, but no, I want to see God do this, you know. God didn't say you get the satisfaction of of watching or seeing or whatever. I mean, so anyway. So here's some questions to ask in trying to discern 
God's voice, okay? Is this leading that we sense being motivated by love? This deals with the motive of our... When, when we hear things, they have to be judged. And so this deals with the motive, and that's Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, um, uh, if, you, if you want that. Another thing is, do I have God's peace about this? And, and the Bible says, let the peace of God rule or govern your heart. And, and, and you know what this deals with? Timing. So the first one deals with our motive. Is this, is this what's our motive behind us? Is if, if what I'm doing is to draw attention to myself, then that's not really God. Because God's not going to do that. He, he abhors pride. So why would he cause you to be full of pride, right? So that's motive. But do I have the peace of God? Colossians 3.15. That deals with timing. Is the timing right? Do I have the peace of God on this? You know, you can have a good idea, and it, but if the timing's not right, it's still a bad idea. Uh, the third thing, is it consistent with God's word? And, and, and there is, is it biblical? Is it biblical? Colossians 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16-17. Is it consistent with what God's word says? God's not going to tell you to do something that's that's contrary to what his word is going to say. Another one is, will this bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ? And, And we want glory to go to God. We want glory to go to the Lord. That's Colossians 3.17. And so, and then the third, the last one, and is this one applies if you're married, okay? And this one is, does my spouse agree? And I'm talking about major decisions or big decisions or some kind of decision that you're praying about. Does your spouse agree? Why? why? Because this goes to the, to the concept in Colossians 3, 18 and 19 of unity. So you can, you can go from Colossians 3, 12 through 19, and, and apply a topic to each one of these things. You got motive, you got timing, you got whether it's biblical, whether God gets the glory, and whether there's unity in it. And, and let me just give you a couple other cautions and we'll quit. If, if what you sense is the leading of the Lord to do something, to make a major life-changing decision, and you have to do it in a very short period of time, or you feel pressured to do it, red flag. Question it. I'm not saying that God won't open a door and just move you through it quickly, but you know what? I found that when God does that, and it's a quick, there's peace. Yes. Yes. A lot of times when people are putting pressure on you, like, you need to make this decision. You need to do this. It's, it's the fear of missing God. And God doesn't work that way. He knows how we're made. And he knows if, God, we want to be honoring to you. We want to trust you. We want to be obedient to you. He's not going to put your arm behind your back and go, come on, do it now. That's just the way God's, God's not going to do that. Um, if, if the leading you sense requires you to go deeply in debt or place someone else in a position of awkwardness or compromise or danger, red flag. Back up and re-examine it. Look at it again. 
if the leading you sense requires you to shatter family relationships, friendships, any kind of relationships, you've got to question it. You've really got to know if that's the Lord. Because there's so much damage that is done when people said, the Lord told me to do this, and they go out and blow everything up, and then it comes back that God wasn't in any of that, but now all you got is shattered lives laying in pieces all over the place. And then the last one I would tell you is that if the leading or direction you feel from the Lord creates unrest in the spirit of mature Christian friends or counselors you share it with, question it. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest. That is one area that, that it used to be um, overused, and now it's underused or not used at all. I know people who are making decisions without seeking any counsel from others. And, and I will be the first one to tell you, I cannot tell you God's will for you. But I can, you can tell me what you sense is the leading of the Lord. And if it's in conflict to the word, I can, I can point that out to you. I can ask you, do you have peace? I can ask you, is your spouse in agreement? I can ask you, how will this work for your family? I can ask you, I can, I, you know, there's, there's counsel in that. I'm not interested in being a counselor, you know, where we're going to have to have 25 sessions, you know, that kind of thing. No, I will recommend you to, to counselors, Christian counselors. But, but it used to be that people who weren't sure about something and they thought God was in it, that they would go to someone mature in the Lord, had some experience in the Lord, knows the word, and just say, can I run something by you? I've been praying about this, and I think maybe I'm supposed to, but I'm not really sure. You know what? That's not done anymore. And then, and then I see lives blown up. I mean, literally families messed up. I mean, people... Marriages break up. I say all kinds of stuff. And, and they go, well, I thought God was saying that. I said, but you never came to me as your pastor and asked. I'm not interested in all your business. I'm, not, I, I, I'm just not one who does that. I'm not going to be there going, where were you? What are you doing? Da, da, da. I, I just think we ought to treat one another with respect. But, but if you're going to make a big life-changing decision that could impact you and your family or your job, or, or, or your church, or whatever, you ought to seek counsel. And you know why we don't do it? Pride. We want to be able to say, I heard from God. I will, I will, or they just want it so bad. Yeah, they want it, and they, and they, you know, I've had, I've, t I've told the story, I won't go into all detail, but I had a man come to me one time, he was convinced that God told him to divorce his wife. And I sat down with him and showed him that that was not God's word. And we, we conversed for three weeks or so. Finally, he left the church. And I found out that he went to about a dozen other pastors all up and down that part of South Louisiana. They all told him the same thing until he drove to New Orleans and found a pastor that told him that was God's will. And he divorced his wife, left his wife and his teenage daughter. And 
The irony was that he remarried his first wife. She was not a Christian when he divorced her the first time. She had become a Christian, so he became convinced that he was supposed to divorce his Christian wife to go back to his other, first Christian, his first wife, who was now a Christian. And a year later, he was divorced. But he wanted to hear what he wanted so badly. He did go from place to place to place till he got confirmation. But my point is today, very few people even go and seek advice from someone who's grounded in the word of God. And I just think that's a big mistake. You know, I even have people in my life that when I'm sensing something, I'll call them and talk to them and just say, I'm really struggling with a decision or a thought or a feeling. And what do you think about that? What do you, you know, would you, or at least would you just pray with me about it? Be in agreement with me that God's going to speak to me about it. So, let me close it out with this. There's three questions you have to ask yourselves. Do I really want an answer? Because if, if you don't want an answer, you're not going to hear from God, right? The third one, second one is, am I ready to receive an answer from God? And then the third one is, will I obey it when I get it? I mean, see, this isn't rocket science, but it is where the rubber meets the road. It really is. Do I want an answer? And I know people who say they want to hear from God, but they don't really want to hear from God. Because most of the time, they already know what God's answer is. I mean, when the Lord was dealing with me and my wife about coming here over 19 years ago, we took three and a half weeks to get away from Louisiana, went to Colorado, and then we went to Gulf Shores, and we're trying to convince God that it was not his will for us to move to Lafayette. And we already knew he was saying yes, but we were like, no. So, yeah, I'd rather not, yeah. I, I just told God, I said, I'm getting too old. Yeah, if I have a choice, no. You know, and he goes, but you remember that part where you said whatever you, you wherever and whenever and whatever? And I said, I said now you're going to bring that up? You know, you're going to throw that in my face? Yeah. Am I ready to receive an answer? Because am I in the place that I can receive an answer? Yeah. And then when I get it, will I obey it? And, and the point is, and, and I wrote this thought down, and, and I, don't, I had it written down, and I, I looked, and I can't find the author who said it. It says, we don't lose intimacy when we stop talking to someone, but when we stop listening. That's when we lose intimacy. And our relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important reason for hearing God's voice. If we're going to, have a relationship, we have to be able to listen. And we need to be able to listen. So are we going to live off the echoes of God's voice or are we going to hear God's voice for our life today? Heavenly Father, we just pray right now. I pray for every person in here right now. I don't know where they're at in their walk with you. 
I don't know what you're speaking to them about or what they're seeking you about. But God, I just pray that, that they would pl place themselves in a position to hear your voice, to hear from you. And that God, it become second nature as they learn to discern your voice because they learn your heart. They learn to trust you. They learn your ways. They begin to know you. And they begin to see the fruit that comes from having a vital living relationship with you. So we just pray that tonight, Lord. We just pray that tonight for each and every one. Is there anyone here tonight that you're, you're in a place where you're having to contemplate a decision, a big decision, or maybe big for you or whatever, and you need God's direction in that, we want to pray for you. Is there anyone here? I wouldn't want to be talking about this and then just say go out the door and nobody pray with you about it. Okay. So you've been sitting for a while. Why don't we just stand together and let's just pray for the body of Christ right now and that this year would be a year that the church puts themselves in a position and they begin to hear the voice of the Lord amongst learn how to set aside the noise learn how to set aside all the distractions and begin to hear the voice of the God and begin to obey it and act upon it Father we just pray for your church in general we just pray right now for the body of Christ that they would learn to operate in such a way as to be hearing and listening and moving as you would send them out and speak to them. Father, the book of Acts is filled with moments when you spoke and the church moved. You spoke for Ananias to go lay hands on Saul. You spoke to the church Lord God, to separate Barnabas and Paul to the work that you had called them. You speak. You're still speaking. The problem is the church has a hard time hearing and listening. God, teach us how to be still before you. If we can block out the noise and block out the clutter... And learn to be still. God, it can be like a funnel. You can, just, you can just pour into our lives and into our hearts. And a few moments, Lord, what, what is taking days for us to comprehend and understand because of all the distractions. Holy Spirit, teach us the things that are distracting us, the things that are becoming obstacles in our relationship with Jesus. And when you show us that, God, we would be bold enough to take the actions to change that so that this year can be a year of incredible 
miracles and testimonies for the glory of your name, Jesus. We pray, amen. Is anybody here tonight you need a touch in your body? You need someone to pray for you. Anyone? I don't want you leaving if you need people to pray for you. Or you want people to pray for you. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Everybody's good? So I've encountered some interesting issues with anxiety. And I, I have like rescue medicine for that if I need it. And it's not effective. So I feel like it's spiritual. And like even tonight before I came here, it was almost like in my back area, which is a little unusual. Like usually it's in your chest. Mm-hmm. Right. I am under stress, but I'm not under. Right. You know what I mean? So I feel like it's a spiritual thing. So I'd like prayer for that. Okay. I don't need a touch in my body right now. Yep. No. When I came here, it, it dissipated, it went away, but I feel like that was a sign that it is spiritual, that it's not physical. Okay. So I'm definitely asking for that. How about a few of you ladies? Go go stand and agree with Marty yeah, and and just come against this anxiety. Yeah, it's not even anxiety. It's almost like a restlessness. Okay. Um, so it feels different than regular anxiety. It, you know? Amen. Well, y'all pray.